0: Good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It is Tuesday, August the 23rd, 2022, in the year of our Lord. On August 23, 1973, a bank robbery turned hostage taking in Stockholm, Sweden. Four hostages ended up empathizing with their captors. The captors began to tell the hostages as they held them in this... um, hostage-taking thing in Stockholm, that they were actually the oppressed. The captors were the oppressed, and that the people they were holding as hostages were actually the oppressors, or they represented the oppressors. And over time, these captors convinced the people they were holding as hostages that they were actually the good guys And that only the captors could eventually help them by testifying to that effect. And they did. The people changed their mind and they thought the guys that are holding us hostage are good guys, not bad guys. In fact, that was so successful that it now has a name. It's referred to as the Stockholm Syndrome. And um, other bad guys started doing the same thing and... The police became informed that that was a real um, situation that could occur in that kind of an event. So interesting, the Stockholm syndrome. So the good guys become the bad guys, and the bad guys become the good guys. Reminds me of something that Isaiah said about bitter and sweet and good and evil. Today in 1305, Scottish rebel leader, Sir William Wallace, he was executed by the English for treason. Many years later, England would have another problem. Today in 1775, Britain's King George III made a proclamation. He said, the American colonies are in a state of open and avowed rebellion. Well, he had no idea. This was today in 1775. In a few months, in 1776, he would understand the parameters of that avowed rebellion. We call it the Declaration of Independence. Today, in 2004, President George W. Bush, he criticized a political commercial accusing Democrat nominee John Kerry. Yeah, he was supporting John Kerry during this presidential uh, contest. He said... The the press has inflated John Kerry's uh, wrongdoing in the Vietnam War, in his war record. Well, they had not. They had actually reported it. I remember it very well. John Kerry did inflate his his war record, and he took credit for doing things he did not do. One thing he did do, and there were many witnesses, he came to Washington, D.C., and came up to a a fence, like a cyclone fence, along with some other crazies who were opposing America, not just the Vietnam War, and threw his medals over the fence into the field, threw him toward the White House, I think it was. But anyway, George W. Bush stood up for him, even though they were political com- uh, opponents, and um, he said that, that those kinds of things, that the broadcast attacks on Kerry had no place In the race for the White House. Today in 2008, Democrat presidential candidate Barack Obama, he introduced his choice running mate, Senator Joe Biden of Delaware. They met a small crowd, but they met outside the old state capitol in Springfield, Illinois. Abraham Lincoln. Today today and – I'm sorry, but, I mean, everybody wants to be Abraham Lincoln. Obama wanted to be Abraham Lincoln. Liz Cheney was kind of saying that earlier, just this last weekend and and even yesterday, that she reminds herself of Abraham Lincoln and so on. It's amazing. I mean, Abraham Lincoln was a great guy. In fact, I'm going to be quoting him a little later. But, um, anyway, that's where they made – the announcement that Joe Biden would become Barack Obama's running mate. Springfield, Illinois. Today in 2011, a magnitude 5.8 earthquake centered near Mineral, Virginia. It was the strongest on the East Coast since 1944. It caused cracks in the Washington Monument and it damaged Washington Natural Cathedral. Today, cracks are appearing in a different way in every American institution and monument as the left oversees the attempted suicide of our God-inspired, God-blessed American experiment of faith and freedom and self-governance. I want to talk to you about that today. There's great confusion in our country today. I have not seen anything like this in my lifetime. I've only read about it in the early stages when America took a stand against England in the Revolutionary War and again in Lincoln's time during the Civil War. Over the weekend, two highly, highly respected by the left professors wrote an op-ed, an essay actually, it wasn't an op-ed, it was an essay, published in the New York Times. They said, These two professors, one from Harvard, one from Yale, the broken and famously undemocratic U.S. Constitution stands in the way of real freedom and democracy. This New York Times piece by these two Ivy League law professors, as I said, one from Harvard, one from Yale, the pair issued a call to radically, I'm quoting them, radically alter the basic rules of the game by no longer requiring us to justify our politics by the Constitution. The real need is not to reclaim the Constitution, as many would have it, they say, I'm quoting them, but instead to reclaim America from constitutionalism. They said we must remove this some centuries-old text, that's a quote, the problem with the essay is that these two are not the only academics advocating, tossing our Constitution for a yet-to-be-determined progressive path to where? Nowhere. Self-destruction, in my view. I want to talk to you a little bit more about that today. But as I was looking at this state of confusion in America, and it's just rampant, I mean, people are confused. They're looking for answers. Dr. Fauci, he says he'll be happy to cooperate <clears throat> with the with the GOP, but he says it has to be more reasonable and kinder kind of a conversation. He said this has been more of a character assassination than oversight by the Republicans in Congress. The day after he announced he was stepping down in December, I mentioned that yesterday is the day he announced it, After he said that, Dr. Anthony Fauci reacted to House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, who immediately vowed to hold him accountable over his handling of the coronavirus pandemic should the GOP take back the control of the House at this next election coming up in November. Well, they should. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Anyway, they should take it over, but I don't know if they will or not because they keep messing up, to be honest with you, and doing things they ought not to do. And that's just not my opinion, but that's the opinion of others who really care about this. So we'll see what happens. But they should take over the House of Representatives in the November election. It's upcoming. But McCarthy is saying if he he will be apparently be the guy they're going to choose to be the speaker of the house. He's the now leader of the minority, and he'll replace should the Republicans take over. He'll replace Nancy Pelosi as speaker of the house. Any replacement would probably be be a move upward on that account. But nonetheless, uh, Rand Paul is also chiming in. He has had a real issue. He's a doctor and he looks at things perhaps a little differently than the average people in Congress, but Dr. uh, Rand Paul is saying Fauci's resignation will not prevent a full throated investigation into the origins of the pandemic. You always see confusion. You see a lot of pressure. You see a lot of wiggling when progressives are held to kind of absolutes like yes or no. Did you do this? Did you not do this? And so, I mean, it's just the kind of absolutes that ordinary people live with most all the time. I mean, we don't have the flexibility to, you know, to get someone to let us off easy or whatever. We just live with the consequences of what we do. That's called living in the real world. And so these guys are used to getting a pass on whatever they want. Like Fauci, for example, you would see him making all these mandates, and he said, "Well, I didn't make any mandates." Well, he created the atmosphere that created the mandates. And there was just confusion through this whole pandemic. I mean, wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Well, these don't work. These work. These don't work. Well, stay six feet apart. No, it has to be nine feet. No, it's okay if you're two feet. I mean, this went on and on and on and on. It was just a state of absolute confusion. Because he didn't know, and maybe no one could have known, but it it just seems that he could have been more transparent. But it isn't just Dr. Fauci. Who's trying to wiggle out of, of this? What is this coming investigation? I mean, it will happen. I, I am certain of that. And he's trying to wiggle out of it. He's trying to retire and step aside and say, "Well, I don't know. No, I'm out of it now. I, I I'm gone. It's not worth the effort. You're wasting taxpayer money." And blah blah blah. That's what's going to happen. But these guys are not going to respond to that because there was just too much for too long uh, on his part and then you'd see him and all of the others on the left you'd see him they're not wearing masks but they're making you know five-year-olds wear them all 24 hours a day and whatever so this is all kind of rolling towards some kind of a an explosion or a an event maybe it'll be another earthquake politically speaking i uh, perhaps that's needed but we do live in an era in a time of, of tremendous confusion Paul was writing to the Corinthians when he wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. And he wrote to Timothy in the last letter that Paul would write, 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 7. He said, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind we need a sound mind in America today because there are those among us who are working to bring about a suicide of sorts of the greatest nation in the history of the world. This Dr. Ryan Dorfler and Dr. Samuel Moyne, they teach at Harvard and Yale respectively. Their recent essay over the weekend, said, quote, the Constitution is broken and should not be reclaimed. They make the case that America should trash our Constitution in favor of a new and revised approach to government. These people either don't know or they don't care. I would suspect they just don't care. I think they would know how our Constitution came into being. It came into being with the men who wrote the Constitution on their knees praying to Almighty God because they said, we're in a state of confusion. That was in the Constitutional Convention in 1787 in Philadelphia. They couldn't come to an agreement. They had studied all of the constitutions of the world. They had looked at Europe. I mean, they say this. It's in the record, in their discussion. Benjamin Franklin said it. I'll come back to him if we have time today. He said... We've tried everything. He said, we've, We can't even agree on the fact that we should agree. It was egregious what was going on in this Constitutional Convention room. <clears throat> so they got to the point where finally the least spiritual guy in the room, probably Ben Franklin, said, Man, we've got to pray. He said, We prayed. When we launched the Revolutionary War, and he said, God, he referred to Providence and he, he said, God heard our prayer and answered, and we prevailed, and we found our freedom in victory in the Revolutionary War. And he said, now here we are trying to chart the course of this new nation. And he said, we can't even agree on the fact that we need to agree. And he said, I am calling and asking you, let's begin each session with prayer. I have the text of his speech. And as I said, if we have time, I'll share a little bit of that with you in a moment. But that's where we are today. We don't agree on much of anything in America. Everything is deeply divided and hostile and deadly. And the left is taking our hand and trying to lead us down a path that is, assisted suicide, culturally. They begin with with this in this essay in the New York Times. When liberals lose in the Supreme Court, as they increasingly have over the past half century, they usually say that the justices got the Constitution wrong. But struggling over the Constitution has proved to be a dead end. The real need is not to claim, reclaim the Constitution as many would have it, but instead to reclaim America from constitutionalism. That was Obama's favorite phrase. He didn't say it in those words, but remember when he was in office, I talked about that on this program. It really bothered me. I know more now than I did then because things have transpired since then. We all do. But he was always talking about, excuse me, he was always talking about remaking America. And that was not a phrase that we had been hearing from politicians, but he he sort of coined it or he began using it. He used it all the time. On his 100 days in office, Barack Obama went back to some place in Missouri, I can't remember the name of the town, where he had had his um, his last rally before the election that he won. And he went back there and said, we've been in office 100 days and the remaking of America is going well. It's well underway and so on. Others use derivatives of that, talking about how the, the implication has always been that we America is so bad and it's so messed up that we just need to trash it and start over. That is the basic view of the left. But this, that these guys are, you say, well, it's just two professors, all, you know, in Yale and Harvard. No, it isn't. It's actually a lot of people are saying this. They're just saying it more precisely and with greater force. And they're teaching a generation of, of young men and women who are going into law. They're teaching them and indoctrinating them, and others across the nation are following their um, their model. And this is a growing and expanding conversation in America, that we don't even need the Constitution anymore. We need to get rid of it, and we need to create a more progressive model For America, progressive really means, and they don't say this, but what they really mean is just to create kind of a relativistic, not based on any fixed uh, truth, kind of a model for America. So we get rid of the Constitution, and then we sort of make up the rules as we go along. That's what progressives do. That's why progressivism is such a disease. It's so destructive. That worldview always ends in disaster. This is an all-out effort to get rid of our Constitution. The idea of constitutionalism, these two guys say, these professors, is that there needs to be some higher law that is more difficult to change than the rest of the legal order. Having a Constitution is about setting more sacrosanct uh, rules than the ones the legislature can pass day to day. Our Constitution's guarantee of two senators and two senators to each state is an example. And ever since the American founders were forced, these are their words, ever since the American founders were forced to add a bill of rights to get their handicap, their handiwork passed, national constitutions have been associated with some set of basic freedoms and values that transient majorities might otherwise trample. But constitutions, they say, especially the broken one that we have now, inevitably orient us to the past and misdirect the present into a dispute over what people agreed on once upon a time, not on what the present and future demand for and from those who live now need. The aids, this aids the right, they say, which insists on sticking with what it claims to be the original meaning of the past. That is a true statement. Conservatives believe in the original intent of the Constitution. It has served its well, us well in America from its inception when they wrote it, after beginning their prayer every morning, when they could finally bring it together. That is true. The right does insist on sticking with the intent of the Constitution. No better document has ever been Presented in the world in the in history, ours is the longest-standing continuous constitution. It would be far better, they say, if liberal legislators could simply make a case for abortion and labor rights on their own merits without having to bother the constitution. Then they go into this long, long um, kind of a teaching model of how. We need to replace our broken Constitution. The wise men of Harvard and Yale say, quote, one way to get uh, to get to this more democratic world is to pack the union with new states. Well, that appeals to some. It kind of appeals to me, actually. I mean, there's people working to, you know, divide Washington State, and and that's going on in Oregon as well, and, and probably elsewhere that I'm not aware of. Uh, where there, there's a, a, a major city that is extreme, crazy to the left, and they ruled statewide elections generally. And there's moves to try to separate the states. Well, they pick up on this, and they say that's what we should do. And they show uh, in some of their, uh, uh, their writing, it, they show like California divided into about 20 states. I mean, it, it, it's it's radical. But this is where the left is. And that's why I'm talking about it today. If these were two guys sitting in a classroom somewhere on the East Coast, I wouldn't even bother with it. But this that's not the case. These guys are, are, are speaking to a, a group of people who want to completely dismantle America. And it isn't just George Soros. It's a bunch of people across this country. And the problem with this is, and I'll just insert this, the problem with this is, is that there are evangelicals who vote for these people who are trying to dismantle America. And honestly, if if, if you're one of them, I I, I don't I want to be kind. But why do you do this? I'm not speaking for Republicans or conservative politicians. I'm just speaking as a pastor my whole life. I'm how can you do this when you How can you vote for a Hillary Clinton and a a Biden and an Obama who want to dismantle this country when you probably know full well that God has blessed this nation? Our founding fathers, those who forged this nation, were very imperfect. But for goodness sakes, they did so in great part on their knees before God. And God has blessed America. Everybody in the world is trying to get into America. If you don't believe me, just take a snapshot of our southern border, for goodness sakes. Why is that so? You don't see that in other countries. You don't see people breaking down fences, risking their lives, crawling over walls or whatever it takes to get into Spain or Greece or whatever. No, only in America. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you, we need to look at this not only from a political point of view, but from a spiritual point of view. To whom much is given, much is required. And whether you accept it or not, we have been given much. And then when we go out and use our sacred vote that the world would love to have, our vote, and we spend it on people who want to further dismantle what God has put together and blessed as a nation, for a period of time, not forever. We're not a. Re- I don't believe in replacement theology, but God has blessed this nation, and here we are committing suicide. And these guys are outlining the next steps. Most Democrats, according to a Rasmussen report just out recently. Most Democrats believe the U.S. Constitution is fundamentally racist and sexist. Overall, they found in their survey, 82% of likely voters have at least a somewhat favorable view of the Constitution, compared to 14% who do not. According to the report, most of President Joe Biden's strongest supporters are in favor of rewriting the Constitution. Among voters who strongly approve of Biden's job performance as president, 54% at least somewhat agree that the Constitution should, quote, be mostly or completely rewritten. This is not an isolated thing with a couple of professors. As I said, I wouldn't be wouldn't waste your time or mine if I thought this was a couple of professors who are theorizing with no consequences. What they're saying is, is, is finding a hearing with a lot of people in America on the left. And what they're saying, they are fueling the fire to get rid of our Constitution, basically, and write a some kind of a progressive, relativistic path for America to take, and it leads, it leads to suicide. It truly does. We hear a lot about Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln was speaking at the Young Men's Lyceum. It's like a YMCA kind of a thing. It's Springfield, Illinois, Abraham Lincoln said this, speaking about the well-being of the nation. He said, how then shall we perform it? At what point shall we expect the approach of danger? By what means shall we fortify against it? Shall we expect some transatlantic military giant to step the ocean and crush it as a blow? Never. He said, all the armies of Europe, Asia, Africa, combined with all the treasure of the earth, with our own excepted, in their military chest, with a bonaparte for a commander, could not by force take a drink from the Ohio or make a track on the Blue Ridge in a trial of a thousand years. At what point, then, is the approach of danger to be expected? If it ever reaches us, it must spring up amongst us. It cannot come from abroad. If destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we must live through all time or die by suicide. John Adams, the founding father of America or second president, he said, "We have no government armed with the power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion, avarice, ambition, revenge, gallantry, would break the strongest cords of our constitution as a whale goes through a net. Our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate." to the government of any other. And this is at the heart of what's going on in America today. You say, well, Gary, I, uh, man, I mean, what do we do, just give up? No, no, prayer changes things, even as prayer, and I don't have time to read from Benjamin Franklin's comments, but prayer changes things. Prayer moves the heart of God to move circumstances. And prayer can save America for a time, not for eternity, but for this time. I believe God is not through with our country. I believe prayer changes things. So pray for America. Hey, thanks for being with me today, and thank you for your support. We need it. I'll see you right here tomorrow.